And what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of that Respect the Combat podcast, episode 127. My name is Mr. D.L. Donez, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Mr. Trico Fullerton and Mr. Eric Goldstein. What's up, boys? What's going on, everybody? Oh, everyone had a great 4th of July week. The fireworks has just begun, and we have a lot of things to talk about. Have they even stopped? Nope. Now, let's just start with all the fireworks, man, because dang, RVD and Rikishi are advertised for the Global Wrestling Summit come September. And then Jimmy Corderno got suspended for the rest of the season under the MLB's domestic violence policy. And then, uh, actually, there was three different policies he broke. Well, that was the big one. Well, that was the big one, but the, no, there was three different. No, there was three different policies that he ended up actually breaking. One of them was the domestic violence policy. The other two was that he that he violated the sexual assault and the child abuse policies. Like I said, that was the big one. I did not want to go in depth with that because I knew it was going to get nasty. Because I can't curse. You're a piece of poop, Jimmy Cordero. I agree. We're going to move on. Piece of poop. Going into the All-Star break, Ronald Acura Jr. became the first player in MLB history to record a 20 home run, 40 stolen bases, and 50 RBIs in the first half of the season. And then ROH actually showed it, but the full in-ring return of Layla Hirsch on ROH TV versus Trisha Dora. But she's aligned with Maria Kanellis. So So is she a member of the kingdom now? You remember how Sienna was Maria's heavy back in the day, but she was just loosely affiliated with her and Chelsea Green? I'm really starting to think that Tony's allowing Jeff Jarrett to book. We're going to move on because I don't want to get into the chat GPT discussion again because we are talking and recapping Money in the Bank. Were either of you able to catch the show? Yeah. Yeah. I did, man, most of the show. And let me kind of break down everything, and then I'm going to let everyone get, get in on that. So the first match of the night was the men's uh, Money in the Bank uh, ladder match with Damian Priest winning uh, the match. Now, going into it, um, there was a lot of discussions on who should win the Money in the Bank. Well, a lot of people was going for, for L.A. Night where some of the board wanted uh, Logan Paul to win. And, of course, the L.A. Knight was Triple H's choice, and Vince's uh, choice was uh, Logan Paul. So they couldn't go come to an agreement, so they went with the dark horse, which was uh, Damian Priest. And um, I ain't mad at that, because now you could build a story with him and, of course, the Judgment Day as they are on the verge of, of a breakup. So what are your thoughts on that Damian Priest winning money in the bank? The right choice, because Logan Paul's win a random feud with Ricochet going into SummerSlam, and LA Knight looks like he's going to be set up for, and shockingly, a feud over the U.S. title, which Theory, I think, might win that, only because he's doing about as meaningful a reign as the longest current modern U.S. title reign, which is under the hands of John Ma- which is currently held by John Moxley. So yeah. do you think Theory's just going to be a placeholder until, regardless of the LA Knight, if you know over LA Knight is compared to him going into the John Moxley? I mean, LA Knight being more over than Theory, but Theory's trying to beat LA Knight's record, whereas they also talked about the return of Drew McIntyre, which Drew entered a feud 
with somebody that's on the cusp of becoming the longest reigning IC champ of all time. So in both okay. scenarios, you see title retentions just for stat padding, as we'll get into, or you see and news across the board on the two individuals the fans truly enjoy. Well, as far as for Austin Theory, um, he is set to drop the title at SummerSlam. Well, against who? We don't know. Some some say it might be LA Knight, and then some say or is Sheamus, where's currently uh, Theory and Sheamus are in a rivalry. And so I do expect it, it could be Sheamus, but uh, it could be LA Knight. I don't know. But um, but that's the one news there from Austin Theory. And then, yes, Drew McIntyre did return at Money in the Brain after, uh, to confront Guther after he defended his IC title against Matt Riddle at, uh, at the night. So I do see a SummerSlam match between Drew McIntyre and Guther for the Intercontinental title. Um, I wouldn't let Guther drop the belt yet. I would let him beat Hunky Tonk's IC title reign first. And then let him drop the title. But I know there's a contract dispute between Drew McIntyre. And, and if he does win the title, then he might stay. So we have to see what's the plan there as far as for the Drew McIntyre's future. By the way, Gunther is only 63 days from breaking the all-time record. So I do think regardless of what they do with the Drew feud, he retains because it's two months out. And then also, shockingly, we have new women's tag team titles in a shocking way that Shayna Baszler turned on Ronda Rousey. And there's a huge reason why. Because Ronda is on her way out of the WWE. And now they're going to do this feud between Shayna and Ronda. Possibly a match at SummerSlam. And that will be Ronda's exit out of the WWE. Yeah, I'm more so concerned over the fact that the women's tag titles, granted, they're now in a division of legit tag teams building. But I do think with the stuff that I've been hearing, they're going to get lost in the shuffle because you're going to see two title changes within two months, kind of with the same premise of one partner turning on the other. And if those like speculations are true, it's the match I think a lot of people want, but it's not the match, the way to get there that everybody wanted. Because it, like the whole thing is turning Raquel on Liv, but do you want her down the titles by just having two teams break up in efforts to put them on another tag team and like, oh, hey, they're in a story, you're not, here's the titles. I would not do the breakup just yet because the current plan for right now for Raquel is for her to face Rhea at SummerSlam. But we have to wait and see what, how they're going to build up that to SummerSlam. But as far as that goes, Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green are currently the new number one contenders. But if you saw the post-show press conference, the tag champs called out Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. So that's going to be very interesting Which, how that goes. Do not book that match. For the love <laughs> of God, do not book that match. Eric, hop in on this. Just for Logan Paul 
It's pop. I'm like, talk about a way Keep to build your tag division. Keep the cool there. If they book, if they book that match, I'm canceling my Peacock subscription straight up. If they book Cardi and Meg Thee Stallion in a tag title match, I'm canceling my Peacock subscription and I officially give up on the WWE and I will deal with that GPTness of AEW. Oh my god, that's gonna be crazy. But um, Cody Rhodes defeated Dominic Mysterio in a nothing match. No Brock showed up. He only showed up the the Raw after money. In the bank so to get body uh, yeah and um and then john cena even returned even teased a wrestlemania in london now i want your uh, opinions on this the reason why i think john cena returned and teased a uh, uh, wrestlemania in london because vince and nick khan saw that aw's upcoming all-in at the wembley stadium has officially sold fifty-seven thousand tickets and i think tony khan right now has becoming the new mr wrestlemania well you said he sold seventy-five thousand. well yeah. like i was listening to the observers take on this it was either the observer or Conan and Disco and keep it in 100. And they said the exact same thing and the exact same vibe you're going for, Trico, because why would they want the record for highest attendance in Wembley Stadium to not be in their company? So Cena's entire promo definitely had political jargon and a political tease just to see it. But WWE is willing to do it if London's willing to fork over the money for it. So it's very interesting to see what would happen over the next couple of years because they already announced WrestleMania for next year. So... Do I see a WrestleMania hitting Wembley Stadium just because WWE wants to still hold that record for an international attendance? Yes. How soon? I don't know. But a possible SummerSlam program against Grayson Waller, who, because of a broken leg, hasn't really wrestled on the main roster and already has a better gimmick than Austin Theory. It's a 50-50 shot. So, well, according to Grayson Waller, I don't want that because. Grayson has not had any in-ring matches on the main roster. And you can't really do the Fandango beats Jericho in his first match angle because of what you did with Theory. Well, according to Grayson Waller, even though he had his run-in with John Cena at Money in the Bank, he reportedly is set to have a SummerSlam match against Edge. But we'll see what happens this week on SmackDown when they have the Grayson Waller effect with Edge as the guest. We'll see how that goes. And then for the women's Money in the Bank, EO Sky becomes the new Mrs. Uh, Money in the Bank, which was also the, a right choice, thank God. But now we'll have to wait and see as far as for EO Sky and Damian Freeze, who will succeed and who will fail. So... It's the most story arc that the Judgment Day has had in months. And probably the biggest story pertaining to Rhea since Zelina and her split off from the LWO versus Judgment Day feud. And that's sad because if Rhea actually gets a proper story, I think she could be dominant. But she hasn't had a reason to feud other than just everybody wants to have her stop being a bully. I'm like... Can you at least have somebody step up in a feud and not look stupid? Because all she's really had matches with are Dana Brooke and Natalia. And despite what that Raw match was earlier this week, Natalia's really come out looking not that good in a feud with Rhea. Well, they had a banger match this week on Raw, and I asked myself, where was this at Night of Champions? But uh, the, the women's division has been not been booking not all that great. 
but but that's another story for another time. And then the main event, what was the talk of the town, is that Jay Uso officially pinned Roman Reigns in the last three and a half years. So a lot of people saying is Jay is the you one. You said that wrong, anyway. You said that wrong. Jay was the first one to pin Roman. Officially became the first man to pin Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has only suffered DQ losses, but he has not suffered a pin or a submission in three and a half years and took the pin in the tag match. So I think what you're getting at is Jay Uso the one to finally beat Roman. Is Jay Uso finally the one to beat Roman for the titles? Yes, you can do it in a tag match, but are you the one to do it with the undisputed title on the line? Which is weirdly not dis- it's weird. And which I don't think so, even though he is a dark horse in this, but I don't think he will be the one to take the titles. Cause like I said before, uh there's only two people that I say would defeat Roman for the titles. It's either Souls Tacoa or Cody Rhodes. How do we get there? I don't know. Don't go the convoluted way and just make it Cody because you miss the boat so much. And this Brock feud has not helped him as far as making him look like a legit contender. Granted, he got the one up on him and has won a couple match against Brock, but he won it every other time other than those like two times he's gotten the one up on Brock. Brock's house spin. Roman beat him. Granted, it was with a Samoan spike. So unless you go the convoluted route, which you have to now, of the Rumble, and do you really make the rest of the roster feel pointless just to get back to Cody through this random hard time storyline? Eric? I mean, honestly, they're kind of just they're they're getting wishy washy with getting back to the Cody storyline because I feel like they're kind of elongating it like too much. Like in my in my opinion, I feel like at this point it would make more sense for him to go after the world heavyweight title than it would for him to go after the unified universal championship. But which one would you rather have more right now? Round four of Cody and Seth, when we know Cody's beaten Seth all three times, and one time with a torn pack inside of Hell in a Cell, or would you want just the rematch with Roman? I mean, if he's actually going to go over and he's actually going to win, then give him the rematch with Roman. But if not, then he might as well do a program with Seth and, you know, either have him go over and become and new or have it to where Seth finally gets a win over him easy story for the Seth match and then you can easily throw in Damian Priest and the Judgment Day stuff to elevate the rest of the card in the story. I don't see how waiting on Cody elevates the rest of SmackDown while waiting to do the Cody title change. But also to get back to your point on Damage Control Trigo and their future, it does EO become the first person, unfortunately, first woman I should say, to not cash in. She's already the second longest women's money in the bank holder, which thank God they didn't do it the same way they did it because that would have been annoying, especially when Oscar's in a program with Rhea and uh, Bianca and Charlotte right now. But I do think EO is going to get screwed out of the title by Bailey in the cash in, but I don't want them to run that angle twice in the same year because I think Priest, where he stands right now, could get screwed out of the cash in by Finn. Both are grounded in storyline reasons, but I don't want them to coincide with each other, but I think they will because Vince only knows one way to book wrestling storylines. 
I think Eo is gonna uh, oh. have her successful, and I think Damien might fail his because not that he's not good enough, but like he's very popular. But I don't think he's a world title material uh, just yet. Like Seth just won the world heavyweight title. There's no way they're taking that belt off it right now. Like the only person that I see they have be, a year. Yeah. So you don't think in the next year Priest is gonna be world championship material within the next calendar year? Well, that's up to Vince to see how they're going to book in that. What? Especially when two or three times he had celebrity matches with Bad Bunny, protected him to the point where Bad Bunny is one of the top celebrity acts of all time in WWE fans' minds. So I do think Priest does get a shot, and I think he catches in. But speaking of catching in, possibly on a main roster column, Julius and Brutus did lose a loser leaves NXT match, surprisingly, against the Dyad. So do you see all three or do you see a, just the Creed brothers getting caught up? And when I say all three, I mean Ivy as well for the Diamond Mind, because I do not see anything for Ivy without Julius and Brutus in NXT. Wait, I wouldn't, even though Julius and, and, and Brutus are good on their own, but if they want to have the whole trio together, then they got to figure out how Ivy's going to live at NSD too. I mean, they did it with Legato slash the LWO when they wrote off. They literally had a loser lose NXT match with Santos and then wrote off the rest of Diamond Mine. Oh, not Diamond Mine, Legato a week later. Yeah, Alexa came back to NXT, but Cruz and Joaquin like followed Santos on the main roster. Then you would have to have Tiffany defeating uh, Ivy on this week's NXT, so that could be her exit too. As I just said, you don't always have to do it in a match in the ring. Cruz and Joaquin legit got wrote off in a backstage segment. So it would make sense for them to go up as a trio rather than a duo. Let's move on before we get too crazy because we got UFC 290 this weekend. And UFC 290 coming off the heels of the UFC Hall of Fame, I should say. And it is headlined by a featherweight title fight that I don't know how it goes because it is for the undisputed featherweight title with Volkanovski going back and defending it against the interim champ, Yair Rodriguez. And a lot of controversy and speculation of where the featherweight division goes after this fight because of the Max Holloway factor and also the Volkanovski factor is Yair falls because... Vulcan Max have beaten pretty much everybody at Featherweight, but yet nobody wants to see that match again because we all know unless Max knows how to throw leg kicks in a fight, that is how it's going to go. Volk wins and gets in the cycle. So we'll see the future of that one. But also, the co-main event, which is uh, the Flyweight uh, title belt, is with, uh, gonna, let me Let me hop into this right quick. As the flyweight title fight does not have Davidson Figueredo in it for once, and they're not doing the quartet of matches, but this time Brandon Moreto is defending against Alexandre Pigarado, which I think that's going to be a good fight. And as I just said, is it a two-man show at flyweight, or are we going to see something a little bit more interesting to knock out an endless cycle? And I hate to say it, but I do think a lot of the men's divisions right now are a one or two man show, which is not good. You got the champion and maybe one solid contender. Everybody else is beneath levels beneath that. 
which is not a great look. Then you've got Robert Whitaker's return at middleweight, which I think Whitaker takes it, but we'll see where he stands. Lightweight. And then, yeah, it's just Bo Nicow, which that fight, the other major one on the card, Bo Nicow in middleweight. This fight got shuffled around so much to where Nicow's original opponent got ill, got injured, so they cycled in. Val Woodburn, I do think, with how last minute this was, Bonacal takes it. Obviously, with the odds makers, he is a minus 1300 favorite. So that's where I stand on UFC 290. But that's not all because we had the UFC Hall of Fame 2023 edition. And this one was a who's who, a who's who, and what's who within UFC history. You've got Anderson, the Spider Silva, Jose, Al- Jose Alda, Aldo. Cowboy Donald Cerrone, Jen Falber, and for the fight wing, you've got Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald from, and I think you guys may remember may remember this fight because Robbie's nose was pretty much embedded into his face, and no, not Robbie, Rory's nose was embedded in his face, and then Robbie's lip was pretty much sliced in two. Yep, that was ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, if you want to talk about how bloody mixed martial arts can get, just look at that fight and the tenacity. Rory McDonald basically, yes, he lost a jab, but his nose was caved into his face and bloody after 24 minutes. So give him a break on that one, figuratively. And then going in and coming out of said break, we are talking the following follow-ups from both Dominion and Stardom's Johnstein. And I say that because Stardom had a few house shows throughout the week leading into the Five Star Grand Prix, which we'll get to, which I'll get to after the break. And then New Japan Strong specifically held their Independence Day shows throughout the week, which kind of altered the G1 Climax. So right now I'm going to get into the quote-unquote aftermath of the Stardom Johnstein as Saki got jumped again for losing the cage match by her this time the facilitator was her former tag partner in Fugan Death and it was only broken up by Shiri but then Saki Kamashita begged Shiri and Ami Sakurai after their challenge lost for the tag titles to join God's Eye which was accepted at least I don't have to fight Shiri again but Ami's usual new heirs partner defeated in the main event which this will alter as I alter how we preview the five-star Grand Prix after the break, but Mirai beat Tam Nakano for the Wonder of Stardom title, which made that a little bit more interesting. We'll get to where the artists of Stardom champions stand in a bit, but the headline story from that, the other side of it, with the winners in Queen's Quest, celebrated, just relaxed and recovered, and just celebrated the unity of Queen's Quest finally getting together, but Yutami said that she was taking time away from stardom just to reset herself and be better as a leader because she felt over the whole duress that she was experiencing over with stardom and the whole do you love me do you love me not storyline with saya kamatani was overused and overdone so she's 
auto start him probably till the start of the five star but how to end up out the out of there because that was a cover to set up a stardom cross gcw and stardom cross jcw appearances which is crazy because utami's got matches with against billy sarks lafisto and janiya kai while she's in the northeast of the other country so eric i think you would be the resident like commentator on this because i've been trying to get you into joshi thoughts on the fact that AEW was not able to secure stardom considering turner has been trying to do stuff with bushi row yet gcw was quick to jump on that and book essentially a former world champion over there probably because chat gbt didn't tell him to would you stop? Okay. And when we get back, we're going to talk a lot about New Japan Independence Day and, as I said, the Five Star Grand Prix and a whole lot more. So don't forget to follow us on all our socials. And we may be going on threads real soon, too, as well as our Instagram, Twitter for now, and so much. So stay tuned and we will be right back. We are back. And how you guys doing? Feeling good. So, Eric, how you doing, man? I'm doing okay. All right. Well, how are you guys doing over in the comments section? Just don't forget to like and hit us up. So, um, with that being said, let's hop into previewing, as I said, the five-star Grand Prix. And talking about New Japan Strong's Independence Day Special, which, as I said, had implications on both Stardom and AEW, which, to me, is insane. But the biggest question as in one of the featured matches on night two, Julia beat Willow Nightingale for the women's New Japan Strong Women's Open Weight Championship. But can New Japan book a women's champion to hold a title for more than three months and make it to really their second title defense? The answer currently is no. Eric. I wonder, do you know how many times uh, Mayu has defended, Kyrie defended, or Mercedes Monet defended their titles? And then obviously, and here's the shocker, Willow didn't defend it on New Japan soil, the strong openweight title. She defended it randomly on an ROH show and a Battle of the Belts episode with no build. Thank you, Tony Khan. Other than that, no title defenses on New Japan soil for Willow, but how many do you think cumulatively of the other four reigns? The title itself is not really getting all that much prestige because it keeps on getting hot potatoed. But overall, no. It's the um, the strong women's strong open weight is different than the IWGP. And the only reason Mayu is even held it coming up on the longest is because she's not defended it in three months. Yeah. Yeah, which is bad because Kyrie lost it legit during her second title defense. Mercedes lost it her second title defense. Willow lost it technically on her third, but her first one on New Japan soil. And then Mayu, like I said, hasn't defended it in three months. Obviously, Julia just won it, but New Japan is getting ready for We're essentially in tournament season, so it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. And I saw this because I know a lot of women's wrestling fans are upset with New Japan's booking of the title because of how you view women's wrestling when, yeah. like, the titles don't have a chance to establish themselves being hot potato because they've only been a step. The IWGP women's title got established in November. The New Japan Strong Women's Open Weight title got established in April, and it's already had a title change. 
So, yeah, it's crazy. But to get to the Dominion follow-up, which is a massive one, Alex Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd, as well as Bishimon, split the IWGP and the New Japan Strong Openweight titles. As I said, as we thought they would, but the way they did it was just, oh, hey, let's have the same match two nights in a row, just for a different set of belts. Which, Kidd and Coughlin won the Strong Openweight titles, but then lost the IWGP heavyweight title match but that was not only the only set of titles for and i know you hate them eric but david finley's bullet club that wasn't the only set of titles the david finley's bullet club won as Piners and maloney actually catch 22 for the iwgp junior heavyweight tag titles happy with that one yeah i mean i don't have an issue with that with the tag title range just because i mean i feel like the junior tag titles are getting hot potatoed like they always do but I mean, I feel like it was a smarter decision because Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd could be the American-based representation of New Japan, as well as Joseph Connors and Drilla Maloney. Um, well, actually, no, not Drilla Maloney and Joseph Connors. Like, I mean, that's not really an American-based Clark title. Connors. You mean Clark, Clark Connors. Connors? Clark Connors, yeah. And yeah, not the NXT UK standout. Looking at the Australian member of board. <laughs> junior heavyweight at bullet club yeah no i i know um but no i mean i have no issues with the with the title changes yeah i think those were bound to happen because ozzy open not only did mark davis suffer that knee injury ozzy open then signed signed with aew so it has just been a mess trying to get ozzy open factored into everything especially when tony khan isn't a fan of what's going on with eddie kingston Granted, AEW did promote that he beat Kenta for the New Japan Strong Openweight title en route to Eddie competing in the 2023 G1 Climax. So Eddie's about to be off AEW TV unless they reference the G1 for the next month and a half and probably going to end up banged up from it. And that also begs the question for him not to show up uh, at Blood and Guts, just so based on his schedule now, with him being the new openweight uh, champion. And now... That's not the issue. It's him being in the G1. It's him literally being in the G1 is the reason he's not in Blood and Guts, not him winning the strong openweight title. Because Willow, who also competed on that same card, took a flight home on Thursday and has got her second round match against Athena this weekend on a collision. So do not say it was just because he won the strong openweight title. It's mainly because Eddie is two weeks out from the G1. Yeah, and then they want to do the storyline in AEW that John Mossy is trying to call them, but like he's not going to answer because he got other priorities going on. But now the BCC and the Elite are looking for a fifth member on their team. Yes, I said it. It won't be four on four. It is now five on five. Now, we all know that Brian Davis it's not going to be in it because he's injured. So who's going to be that fifth member in the BCC? I don't know. But as far as the elite for the fifth member, I'm still sticking with uh, uh, Obushi. With that being said, let's preview the five-star Grand Prix as the winner will receive the final World of Stardom title shot. So receive a world championship match in the final one of 2023 in late late december and the dates for that will be july 23rd through september 30th why you may ask because stardom does actually try and preserve their athletes and tell stories outside of just tournament matches throughout the duration of the tournament 
So you may get a stardom show with only two or three five-star matches, whereas you will get a show with, like, all five-star Grand Prix matches. So this year's lineup, and as I'm going through it, I will say, like, okay, this person's champion, this person's Nana, where they stand at right now. So for the Red Stars block, you've got Ami Sorai, Natsutora, Hazuki, Natsui, Starlight Kid, Suzu, Suzuki, Curry, Taikamatani, the current reigning and defending IWGP Women's Champion, and Mayui Watani. And currently, the woman who will be going into December as World of Stardom Champion, Tam Nakano. And then, for the Blue Stars block, you've got Utami Hayashida's return, Hananu won the Rumble to get in, Mariah May, who became second in the Rumble to get in, the new New Japan Strong Women's Openweight Champion in Julia, as well as one-third of the Artists of Stardom Champions. You've got the other half of the Goddess of Stardom Champions with Mariah Minashirakawa. You've got Azumi. You've got the new Wonder Stardom Champion in Mariah. You've got Momo Watanabe, Sariano, and Micah. As I said, with any round-robin tournament, it's very interesting to watch what stories build from these tournaments as whoever's the first one to knock off a champion. You really have to figure is in somewhat title contention sooner rather than later, regardless of the result of the round-robin tournament. So I would definitely be paying attention to whoever knocks off Mayu, whoever knocks off Tam, whoever knocks off Mirai, and whoever knocks off Julia throughout the tournament, because we could finally see stuff built to future title matches as far as singles go, not necessarily who's coming after julia for the trio titles or who's coming after mariah or mariah and mina for the tag titles and that's where i stand on the five star but let's get to this gaming category because we have a lot of stuff regarding AEW fight forever which Rico, let's start with your review since you didn't talk last week and i know from what you were telling me Unfortunately, you don't have PlayStation Plus, so you haven't been able to access online, but I gave my thoughts on the last-gen version of the game last week. I'll give my thoughts since servers got fixed, but what are your thoughts on the game? A lot of people saying it's supposed to be the sequel to, to No Mercy, which originally Def Jam Vendetta is the official sequel to No Mercy. But as I watched the gameplay of Fight Forever, it's more like, do you remember Day of Wrecking games for the GameCube? Which I do think those were more sequel, sequel No Mercy versus this. Yeah, because a lot of the moveset and the animation, all of them looks very familiar to Day of Reckoning. Now, and, Day of Reckoning 1 or Day of Reckoning 2? Both of them. Okay, okay. Because I know Day of Reckoning 1 felt a little bit more stiff compared to Day of Reckoning 2, but if you're saying... It feels like both of them. Okay. And then, yeah. And then, of course, the Road to Elite is very similar to Road to WrestleMania. With very different uh, scenarios. Where it goes to Road to Double or Nothing, All Out, Full Gear, and Revolution, and then back to Double or Nothing. Yeah, my take on that is they have some of the same writers that were on the Road to WrestleMania series that are working 
on the that worked on the road to elite mode so it makes total sense why that is the case for road elite feeling like a road to wrestlemania but i do wish it felt more like the no mercy calendar not just road to elite mode and then you've got the aw with patch 1.02 on playstation the server issue got fixed so now people can actually load into matches online without not having to go with the hot fix Stadium Stampede mode got announced for the game. So we'll see how that goes because they essentially put Rumbleverse into AW Fight Forever. So we'll see that how that mode, at least is free, a free update, but we'll see how it goes. And DPW, Deadlock Pro Wrestling, is hosting a Fight Forever tournament in two weeks with registration being open right now with the $500 prize pool. PS5 only and must stream the game. However... Here's the ban list for the tournament. And based off what I've played online, they had to put this in effect. So the ban, ban list can, contains Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson, Ma- Malachi Black, Wardlow, Lance Archer, Paul White, a.k.a. Big Show, Powerhouse Hobbs, and all CAWs. It's a crazy ban list. And then Street Fighter VI announced and revealed that Rashid will be the first DLC character and everything for him will be out on July 24th if you bought the Deluxe Edition or the individual like character will be released, as I said, July 24th. And then Mortal Kombat 1 has begun their combat cast and they've shown all the Lin Kuei fighters gameplay, which... So did, you, did you finally see the trailer yet? No. Damn. I have not watched the combat cast. I'm only you're making going it hard on us, man. You told me and we'll on Twitter. Come on, man. You're making it hard on us. Come I on, know man. you want to talk about it, and I'm probably the worst younger brother ever for not watching it, but hey, I'll get to it, okay? I had a busy day the last couple of days. And with that being said, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter. As I said, we may be switching over to trends sooner rather than later threads my bad we're gonna get that set up details to come sooner rather than later it's pretty much gonna be a slow trip new start episode because it's nothing really big came out in the movies this weekend but i know next week we will be talking um the mission impossible but other than this week uh, kind of a slow uh, week, but if you haven't catch up, catch up with last week, we did talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and all the big movies coming out in the month of July. So that is uh, available on YouTube and other podcast streaming platforms. Eric, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Instagram handle, Respect the Combat, Twitter, RTC Podcast One. As Don A said, we're probably going to end up creating a Threads account just to check it out, see how it works. For everybody here, I'm Don S. Two fingers, we out.